All right, we are going to pick up here in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. First things first, let's go ahead and read verses 19 through 34. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou not... If thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth. <clears throat> Bethbara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew not knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I baptized. I come baptizing with water, and John bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, and bear record, that this is the Son of God. Okay, so we went through all this last week on the three strands, gave a brief uh, biography of John the Baptist. Uh, One reason for Jesus' baptism was a witness to John the Baptist that his mission was complete. And then starting here in verse 19... This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent him, uh, sent to him priests and Levites from Je- Jerusalem to ask, Who are you? <clears throat> and uh, the gospel writer introduces John the Baptist by uh, kind of telescoping or expanding out and zooming in. Uh, directly to an encounter between him and the priests or Levites at that time, the Pharisees, uh, concerning his true identity. The Baptist um, parents and connection to Jesus' family is detailed by Luke in his gospel. We all know that Luke was a, uh, I'm not Luke, 
uh, John the Baptist was the second cousin to Christ. So John skips all of that and goes directly uh, to an event. Uh, John the writer, the apostle, skips all, that, all of that connection between John the Baptist and Christ and goes directly to an event in his public ministry. The Jews were the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees, and they were scribes who were zealous in keeping and enforcing the law. In other words, they were strict in enforcing. Think of the law when, when it's referred to as the law. Think of that as our United States Constitution. And they were entrusted in maintaining, much like our Supreme Court, maintaining the integrity and interpreting that uh, uh, constitution to its to exactly what it means. That's what these scribes and Pharisees, that's what they were doing with the old law, was they were to interpret and, in, and enforce the old law. <clears throat> and they were zealous in keeping enforcing the old law. So whenever they heard about this man, John the Baptist, they went out, or probably not the higher-ups, but some uh, some others were sent out to question him and find out exactly what he was doing, who sent him, under what authority was he doing these things, uh, baptizing by water. Uh, priests and Levites were those who ministered at the temple. Uh, John was drawing crowds when he began spreading his ministry, uh, proclaiming the imminent coming of God's kingdom, uh, God's Messiah as well, or Christ. And in doing so, he was stirring up the people. Okay, uh, These religious leaders, fearing the loss of their position, which was a high-ranking, you know, considered a high-ranking position, much like we would consider a Supreme Court justice uh, a high-ranking position. Um, they were high-ranking, and they feared losing their position or even possibly black backlash from the Roman government or Roman authorities that uh, sent a delegation to check out this preacher-slash-prophet, uh, uh, John the Baptist, in response to their question, John makes his witness and confession of one belief in the one to come, and he capitalizes, uh, the author here that I'm reading from, Mazzalago capitalizes the one, one being the Christ. All right, 20 through 21, and he confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, no, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. <clears throat> so they asked him three questions. They asked if he thinks he is the Messiah, because there were many religious radicals that claimed this at that time. Uh, but he answers, no. Then they asked, are you Elijah? Uh, this was reference to Malachi 4-5 in the Old Testament uh, where, the old, uh, where the prophet said that Elijah would return 
as a forerunner of the Messiah. So you can kind of see where they get this idea that perhaps it is Elijah because it said that he would return as a forerunner to Christ. So many, many Jews believe that Malachi meant that God would actually resurrect Elijah and send him to the people. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, however, Jesus explained that John the Baptist was the person that Malachi spoke of. That John the Baptist was a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. So this was not when he said that Malachi would return um, as a forerunner. It was not to be taken literally, but figuratively figuratively as 11:14 of Matthew states here um, he was a prophet in the spirit of Elijah powerful preacher man of the desert man of vision and so John knowing their confusion answers no he is not the resurrected Elijah even though he is the fulfillment of this prophecy <clears throat> Question three, are you the prophet? Are you the prophet? In Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses said that one day God would raise up a prophet to lead the people just as he, or Moses, when he's referring to Moses, just as Moses had led the people. They wanted to know, did he think of him as that prophet. So they were, they were really giving John the Baptist down the road. I mean, they were giving him the 10th degree here, or the first degree here, as far as trying to figure out exactly who he was or who he thought he was. John answers, no, he is not that prophet. Actually, Jesus is that prophet. Jesus is that prophet referred to in Deuteronomy 18. And 15. He is the fulfillment of that promise or that prophecy and promise of Acts 3 verses 22 through 30 or 22 through 23. Okay, so the three questions are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? And are you the prophet? That's what they wanted to know. Verse 22, then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. The Roman government, they're the ones that sent them. What do you say about yourself? They have, they have, um, they've run out of questions and possibilities concerning his identity according to the scriptures. Um, You know, they had already planned all these questions beforehand according to what was written in the old law. So now they're kind of uh, freelancing or ad-libbing, just trying to get some answers out of him. Uh, So uh, this was the key. Who who he was according to the prophet, if not Christ, Elijah, or the prophet that was spoken of in Deuteronomy, then who was he? The Pharisees wanted to know... um, Possibly so they could plan an attack uh, to discredit him. You know, this, this all reeks of politics, does it not? Even politics to this day. They want to know who the, their opponent is so they, they can dig up all the dirt they can to discredit him. 
Is it not? I mean, that's just classic politics. <clears throat> All right, 23. <clears throat> he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. So, he, John answers two things here. He says, I am a voice. The significance of this is that he is a proclaimer and a messenger. In the wilderness, uh, in the wilderness refers that his is not a popular messenger and is not part of the establishment. And then two, one who makes straight. He challenges them. He goes against conviction. He is here to prepare a new way. And I'm not here to uh, promote any, any, any politician or anything like that, but that's kind of what Donald Trump run on, you know, in 2016 was he was different and he was there to go against the normal convention of, you know, politics in, in the U.S. Congress and kind of raise a stink. So think of it kind of like that. You've got this establishment, and, and John the Baptist is going against this establishment. So uh, kind of think of it that way. And they, this establishment has been in effect for thousands of years, what, like 4,000 years or uh, 2,000 years. Right? No, 4,000. Larry, help me out here. 4,000? Okay. Uh, so, you know, and then here comes this man, John the Baptist, that's fixing to change it all or predicting the change of it all. So it's got a lot of the upper echelon, the upper leaders of not only... Uh, the Jews, but the Roman Empire as a whole, it's got them in a ruckus. But he goes against their conviction, and he is here to prepare a new way. Uh, crooked was the old way, uh, and his ministry spoke of was by Isaiah, as this is whom he is quoting. Verse 24, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and 25, they asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Uh, their question shows their reaction to John the Baptist and his witness. Uh, they disbelieve, they disbelieve and see the, uh, you can see the third strand being woven in here. So the three responses when they challenged him or when challenged with the truth, and this goes for anybody, okay, anybody. You become defensive, then you try to uh, rationalize your actions, and then finally, hopefully, you submit. So uh, they are stung by his message because if, if he had said he was the Christ, they would accuse him of blasphemy or possibly of being a lunatic, you know, just crazy, crazy guy out in the wilderness um, or, or even an imposter, 
So that here, here they are. They, they've already planning on what they're going to do here. When he, you know, they're, they're playing the chess match before they even go in there. They're like, well, if he uh, says this, we're going to go this direction, or this, we're going to go in that, that direction. So they're, try, they're planning out, or they had already planned out what they were going to do, and were trying to do it when they approached him. So if he said he was Elijah, they would have demanded proof through miracles since Elijah were, had the ability to perform miracles. If he had said he was the prophet, then they would have denounced him as a troublemaker and reported him to the Romans. But instead, he claims that his source for ministry was the prophet of Isaiah who wrote extensively about the coming of the Messiah and the circumstances surrounding this event. At this point, they become very defensive. They do not respond with belief, obviously. Instead, they question his authority to baptize. If you are not Elijah or the prophet, they say, what gives you the right to baptize? Uh, When they were challenged with the truth, there are only three ways to respond. Um, Like I said, they become defensive. They get mad, run away, reject, deny, rationalize. Uh, That's when you give yourself good reasons to disbelieve or disobey. Um, I.e., you know, you tell someone if, you know... Uh, you could spend your life in, uh, or spend an eternity in hell. So therefore, you rationalize this by saying, uh, the God I believe in is a good God and would not send anybody uh, to a place of eternal torment. So that's, that's rationalization right there. And then finally, sub- submission. Uh, you listen carefully, obey the truth, and do the right thing. Your action of the priests and Levites, and by extension the Pharisees, was to become defensive and challenge John's right to baptize, which in essence was a challenge and rejection of his message, which was the Messiah uh, is coming. Verse 26, 26 through 28, actually. John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the... the, Is that right? The throng... The thong of whose sandal... Okay, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany around the Jordan... Uh, where John was baptized. Okay, John responds to their attitude rather um, than to their question, which was, if you are not the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet, what gives you the right to baptize? In essence, he says, yes, I am baptizing, even though you think I, am, I have no right to do so because you do not believe in my message. Uh, This is just like you, but there is one here among you today that people like you do not know yet. They do not know. You are threatened by what I say and do, 
But the one whom I speak is so great, by whom you are threatened by so much, uh, that I am not even worthy to untie his sandal. What will you say and do when this man, person, however you want to describe him, what will you do then when he does come? His reference to the Jordan situates the place where this confrontation took place, as well as uh, the place where John the Baptist did uh, most of his work, i.e. the wilderness, what, what were, what's often referred to as the wilderness. Um, verses 29 through 34, the Gospel writer now describes John the Baptist's own witness about Jesus. And this action takes place after Jesus' baptism that is described in detail in the other Gospels. So his witness contains uh, four main elements. Number one, uh, the purpose of Christ's coming. John 1 and 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus did not come to start a movement. He did not come to just do miracles, begin a revolution, or even a new philosophy. Uh, he came to die for men's sins. That was his main, the, the main goal, the main purpose of Christ coming to this earth, and it did fulfill a prophecy. Everything else serves uh, this purpose. Uh, John the Baptist, he came to announce this. He was the announcer, the precursor, the one who uh, kind of started it to let everyone know who was coming and what to look for. Uh, the apostles reported it and recorded it. And we remember it. That is what faith is about. His death is for us and what that means. Okay, so, uh, the first element, the purpose of Christ's coming. The second element, the character of the one who is to come. Uh, verse 30, this is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. John was conceived before Jesus was. He was six months older. Six months older than Christ. By saying that Jesus was before him, he declares that Jesus has a divine nature, uh, not simply a human one. In other words, you know, he come before me. Of course he come before you because he has always been. He has always been. Uh... He declares that Jesus has a, has a divine nature and simply not a human one. We come into being when our bodies are conceived. Jesus, however, existed way before his physical human body was conceived or before it existed. The third element of John's witness, the nature of his ministry. Verse 31, I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel. 
I came baptizing in water. His ministry was to baptize those who believed his preaching and wanted to prepare for the coming one. His ministry would be validated because the one, capital O, the one to come would also come first through his ministry of baptism. And then finally, the fourth element of John's witness, the source of his ministry. Verse 32, John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. So he's kind of using some visuals here. <clears throat> John was recognized as, uh, let's see here. Yeah, let's continue on with 33 and 34. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water sent, said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. <clears throat> John says that the fulfillment, or John was recognized as special from his birth, we read of this as the angel appeared to uh, his mother stating uh, the birth of John and that his name would actually, and that they would actually name him John. Uh, people wondered how God would use him. In this passage, he claims the authority of a prophet based on what he has received from the Lord. It has been for... Uh, 400 years since the last legitimate prophet spoke in Israel, so this is quite a challenge and excitement for the people. However, it is not something new. The Jews were familiar with the presence of inspired men speaking from God. Uh, <clears throat> He says that the sign was the Spirit descending and remaining on one individual. This would be the one, capital O, the one. In Matthew 3.16, Matthew describes the Spirit as a dove descending on Jesus and a voice from heaven declaring his sonship. This was the fulfillment of the sign John looked for, John told was told that the one to whom this happened, that uh, this would be the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit and not with water. In some cases, this was meant to empower someone to do miraculous things. In all cases, this meant the authority to send the Holy Spirit to dwell within a believer. John says that the fulfillment of the sign was the proof to him that Jesus was indeed the God-man. So in summary, uh, from uh, verses 19 through 34, uh, we have our first episode where John entwines all three of his um, strands, what, we, what I've been referring to as his strands. Uh, Jesus is the God-man, uh, Jesus explains the supernatural way which John the Baptist was alerted to the coming of Jesus. Uh, disbelief, the first examples are the Pharisees that came to visit John the Baptist. 
and the priests and Levites who challenged John's authority to baptize, which indirectly um, disregarded his message, which required John to baptize. That's what John's purpose was, to baptize with the with water, hence the name uh, or whatever you want to call it at the end, John the Baptist. And then the belief, uh, John the Baptist himself seen uh, or was the first true believer and we see him explaining the, the signs or the things that led him to believe. So John, uh, it explains how John the Baptist was alerted to Jesus' coming, first examples of disbelief among the Pharisees, priests, etc. John the Baptist shown as the first true believer in Jesus, the God-man. Okay, and so in his description of John the Baptist's ministry, John the Apostle sets forth yet another claim of Jesus' divine nature and provides two reactions to this claim, the challenge by the Jews as well as the belief and witness of John the Baptist. Okay, so now we're going to get kind of into the third section of chapter 1, which uh, starts with verse 35 through the, the end of the chapter. <clears throat> so let, let's, you know, he, the uh, Mazzalago here, he likes to emphasize these th- three strands here, uh, Jesus, the God-man, the reaction of belief, and reaction of disbelief, and this is going to be the recurring theme throughout the book of John. Uh, you had the prologue, John's witness, and now the soul winning through witness in chapter 1. Alright, the definition of a witness. A witness is a person who declares as true what he has seen, heard, or knows. Witnesses, uh, the Greek word martus or martyr, uh, translated in English as witness. The apostles were chosen to be the witnesses of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Witnesses, John's witness, uh, verses 1 through 18, uh, John's John the Baptist's witness, uh, verses 19 through 34, and then there's going to be a pattern of witness that we're going to get to in 35 through 51. All right, verse 35... Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So the brief description is about John and two com- converts that he made. So he had already made progress, had converted some individuals, and these... Individuals were here with 
John the Baptist. And uh, the question is, how do, you, how do witnesses become witnesses? The answer is that they hear a witness about someone or something from another person. For example, John became a witness because of what God witnessed to him concerning the coming Messiah, and he confirmed that with Scripture. And God, <clears throat> and then God witnessed to him concerning, I'm sorry, John believed the witness and in turn began to witness what he had revealed to him. Jesus' first two disciples heard John's witness, believed it, and consequently began to follow Jesus. And so here we have the um, account of the first two converts. If you want to say the first two, you had John the Baptist, obviously. But the uh, once they uh, met Jesus... Uh, through John the Baptist witness what he had told them, then they believed and began to follow Jesus. Verse 38 and 39, And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you see? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, uh, where are you staying? He said unto them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So what do you think happened that day? Did they sleep, play video games, whatever? Uh, no, they were, there were questions. There were discussions about Jesus, uh, about who he was. Uh, what did John mean by the term Lamb of God? We see by their following actions that they had to make a decision about him, and they did. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. <clears throat> he found his first own brother, Simon, he, he found his own brother Simon and said to him we have found the Messiah which translated means Christ he brought him to Jesus Jesus looked at him and said you are Simon the son of John you shall be called Cephas which is translated Peter what does Andrew do the next day he becomes a witness for Jesus so in these brief verses, we see a pattern or cycle or cycle begin to develop. God witnesses to John about the Messiah and his role in preparing the way. He does this through signs and his word. John makes his witness about Jesus to the people. Two believe John's witness and follow Christ. They themselves become witnesses for Christ and bring others to him. We see then that the witness for Jehovah is Christ. The witness for Christ was John, and from John's witness came others who were ready to witness for Christ as well. <clears throat> Verse 43-44, the next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip 
And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good come out of, out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So the Son of Man is the, not a, um, Daniel seven thirteen through 14. He is, uh, it's a generic term. Human like no other human. Um, the importance of witnessing. Each of us receives someone else's witness. The subject of our witness is Jesus Christ. Our lifestyle confirms our witness. Failure to witness because we neglect to do so and because we have low moral standards. They may not like it or accept it, but people expect Christians to witness. The evangelistic pattern, you hear, believe, hear the witness, believe the witness, and witness to others. So, and then, hopefully, on uh, the summary, um, I'm, I'm hoping to have finished up today, so... If there's any questions, I'll let the next teacher answer those. Thank you for your attention.